to Talking Sports with the Youngster and the Old Man. And now, here are your hosts, Troy Robert and Kevin Cunningham. Welcome in, everybody. I'm Old Man Troy, joined by the marvelous Youngster, Kevin Cunningham, a.k.a. Papa. How's the little one doing? She's doing good. Um, today was actually my wife's first day back at work. Um, so I had the day off, and so the child's <laughs> responsibility was solely on me. Um, you know, my, my wife works a normal hour job. Um, Did she so, actually, is yeah. she back on actually having to go into work? Because I know she was working at home for a while. Yeah, they have not fully made her um, remote, but she's, I mean, you know, they want her to come in for probably once a month, uh, maybe twice a month. If there's something big going on, then, you know, come on in. But it's definitely transitioned, and I think this has <clears throat> happened to, I, I don't want to say a lot because people tend to say that, like, oh, since the pandemic, you know, a lot has changed in the workforce, like this and this and this like I think some has changed um, I wouldn't say a lot I wouldn't say you know over 50% of you know workers nowadays are remote that that's ridiculous but I do think things have changed a little bit um, in terms of what people are able to do at home for certain jobs um, and my wife has demonstrated that she can do her job well from home and so it's not this immediate rush to okay you have to come into the office five days a week now it, you know so it is nice that she's able to mostly stay at home um, for now. But, yeah. So, I had the little one all that's day. Probably, that's probably good for the baby. Probably yeah. good for the baby. Yeah. Makes things a little easier. A little easier for the baby. That's what I'm going <laughs> to say. All right. No, I mean, to touch on that, youngster, I could do my job from home. I mm-hmm. could remotely do my job, but it probably wouldn't be as effective just for what I have to right. deal with and right. being in the plant. I mean, but I could, and I have. I've worked from home before, but I prefer mm-hmm. to actually be in the office. Right. Like, I prefer to be at the plant with everything that I'm in charge of. It, it can be done. If they told me I had to work remotely, I, I don't know if I'd want to do it. It would make it a lot tougher. But we got a good show, youngster, anyway. Workforce, babies. Uh, I do want to touch. You saw my little picture of my uh, grandson holding my winning lottery ticket. Or not lottery, <laughs> my winning parlay ticket. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like he was holding a lot of tickets. Well, I, you know, I do, I do little ones. If you would, like, enlarge it, it was only a $2 parlay ticket. Because I told you what uh-huh. I do. I don't overspend. Like, if I can't afford to lose, I'm not going to bet, right? So I did a little $2 parlay. Off that $2 parlay, I won 48 bucks. I mean, nothing well, wrong go. with that. That covered my all. whole, that covered all the tickets I had there. And some. Because I don't uh-huh. go crazy. Like, that's like people at work are like, You're, holy cow, how can you afford to go to the casino every night? Because I don't spend that much money. Right, yeah. You know, I stop <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I put down yeah. ten bucks, twenty bucks, and I win forty eight. I, I mean right. I'm not out to break the bank. I'm not a professional gambler. Right. I'd like to be. I can't afford <laughs> to be. Yeah. But I and you know, youngster, we've been doing this show at what six we're going this is year seven, I believe. It'll be here at the end of the year, it'll be seven years, I believe. Or going into year yeah, think, seven. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And, I, and I've hit on some parlays, and I've hit on some of these things, but I don't go jack wild with 500 bucks, or 200 bucks. Right. No, they're just little things. And then my wife's like, why didn't you bet more? Because then I would have lost it, and you would have yelled right. at me. <laughs> right. I yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, how often are you hitting – your money times 24, like you're saying, you put in $2 for a parlay and it actually hits and you get back 48. Um, you know, I, that's, 
that's an extreme long shot. You're, if you're sitting there jacking up $100 every single parlay you do to win 48 grand, you know, how many hundreds of dollars are you losing before hopefully you actually hit <laughs> a $4,800 realistically is what it would be. But so, I, I mean, you know, how many hundreds or thousands of dollars are you willing to lose before hopefully one of your long time, you know, parlays actually ends up hopefully paying for itself? Because you could sit there and go through, you know, 30 different parlays and lose and be out $3,000. And by the time you actually hit a $2,500 one, you could still be in the negative. I mean, that's, you know, so in any case, unless you're sitting there with millions and millions and millions of dollars and you're able to, you know, throw down a hundred and a thousand dollars like it's no problem, then <laughs> feel free. But I, I think the way you do it, it makes more sense for the average human being. Is that right, Troy? <laughs> or you might be on mute or you might be texting due to work. Um, we will move on with the show. Um <laughs> we did want to bring up a soccer topic. Yeah, actually, I was, I was on mute, Youngster, oh. I'm sorry. Okay. You're sorry. Good. You're good. We wanted to it's bring up a, a soccer <laughs> I understand. A soccer topic uh, before football very quickly. Obviously football is going to dominate the show, but very quickly with soccer, the United States is trying to the United States men's national team is trying to qualify for the World Cup, which is taking place later this year in December, I believe. It might be November. I would have to double check. But regardless, there is a World Cup coming late this year. Um, and the United States is trying to qualify for it. It did not qualify for the one a few years ago, and that was seen as a disaster. Um, it's not as disastrous as you know a team like France or Germany or Italy missing it because those countries are obviously better than us, but it's a disaster because considering the teams that we go up against in these qualifier games, we should be a top three team out of the eight, um, given who these teams are. Like Mexico is a real legit, you know, top 16 worthy country. Um, Canada and the way they're playing and the way that their young offensive pieces have grown to, you know, truly be at a level where they're starting across the world in the best leagues. Um, for some of the best teams, you, you're actually seeing it. Um, you've seen it these first 10 games. Canada hasn't lost a single game. Um, again, there's a lot of Panamas and Costa Ricas and Honduras in the teams that we play, so it's not as though Canada's beating big, you know, Germany, Italy, France, all those, you know, really good countries. However, to go 10 games and not lose one, I, I do think there is something to Canada and their offensive potential. Um, they're a truly a fun team to get behind if you were a college or college, if you were a casual soccer fan because of the offensive potency that they do possess. Um, but anyway, so through 10 games, um, the United States played a couple. Uh, they played one on January 27th, which was last Thursday. We're actually doing the show on a Monday, January 31st courtesy of the Inner Peak Coffee Virtual Studio Line. Shout out to them. But so we're doing this show right after um, Championship Sunday weekend for the NFL. Uh, again, we'll get to that in a second. But the United States, on January 27th, they did beat El Salvador one to nothing, as we should have. Um, you know, it is what it is. Not going to go in-depth on that game. Yesterday, as we're doing this show, so on Championship Sunday, I can't talk to the um, January 30th, we played Canada at Canada's, you know, one of their stadiums in their country, and we lost two to nothing. Um, earlier this qualifying window, uh, we played Canada and we drew one to one at a at home essentially, um, and so we went to Canada on Sunday, this past Sunday, and lost two to nothing. We gave up a goal in the seventh minute. I did not watch this game uh, because for whatever reason it just passed me by as to when it was on um, I would have liked to have watched but I did not and so we gave it up was a on seven. Sunday youngster it was on championship NFL Sunday I didn't even yeah, watch I that game I would have recorded it <laughs> at the least because um, I've watched I think all of these games I outside wanted, of one. So I'm going to go there, youngster, and you're talking about last Thursday, and I told you I, I would have bet on those three games that were played last Thursday, and I kind of mm -hmm. was mad at myself because of work, and I was going to parlay the World Cup qualifying games. I would have won because I would have 
taken the USA, and I would have taken I would have taken all the winners. My thing is, I'm kind of disappointed they only beat El Salvador one nothing at home. I would agree. Uh, and I've told you this. We had this conversation maybe a year ago. Until the U.S. can prove to me that they're a dominant team, I mean, there's no reason that they shouldn't get to the World Cup. There's no reason that they shouldn't be able to get out of the World Cup and into the knockout round. I'm watching this right. qualifying. I'm not impressed. I, I'm not impressed. The USA has not turned the corner in soccer. And you know I'm a soccer guy. And maybe I'm more critical because I played the sport, I coached the sport at a pretty high level in college. I, I just don't understand. Even though we don't – I mean, we got a ton of – if we took all the best athletes in America and it was our only sport, then we might be as dominating as some of these other countries. But even sure. then, youngster, the guys on the roster, why are we not winning games? I'm going to give kudos to Canada. They have put together one heck of a roster. Yeah. But really, you can't go to Canada and draw. If you are going to be a, I air quote, powerhouse in soccer, you don't lose to Canada 2 nothing. You go to Canada and draw. You don't beat El Salvador one nothing. Right. I mean, I, I'm at the point, youngster. I'm disappointed already in USA soccer, and we're not even out of qualifying yet. I'm like putting a, I'm putting a blind eye and a deaf ear to qualifying right now, because so far to this point, I'm not impressed. I am not impressed with the product they have. And that's coming from a true soccer guy. Like, I am a through-and-through soccer guy. And I'm done. I'm not watching. I'll follow. I'm not watching anymore. I'm not impressed. That's all I got. Continue. Fair enough. I I will say this, that this is the most talented roster I think we've ever had. Um, However... And thus my point, youngster. Thus my point. With the results right. I'm watching on TV, I got better right. things to do. Like, I would rather change my grandson's dirty diaper than watch USA soccer right now. That's about the, because of what you just said. This right. is This is the most talented team they've had probably since the Alexi Lawless days. And they're squeaking by El Salvador. They're... They're getting dominated by Canada. I'm too frustrated. I would rather change a dirty poo-poo diaper on my grandson than watch them play soccer right now. What I was going to say is that the problem with this team, um, despite the talent, is that all of this talent is basically 20 (laughs) – I mean, you could – I would have to go through and literally look, um, but – Probably over half of the best players on the roster are under age 22. Um, that's what this United States team is, is this World Cup window realistically. Yeah, they should get to the World Cup if they do anything realistically with how ridiculously young this team is. Um, if they made it to the top 16, it, it would be unbelievable because of how young they are. And so it's it's hard because again, you, it can be told to a, a casual fan that, Hey, this, you know, it, realistically at the end of the day, once these guys all retire and they're done with soccer, this might be the most talented group we've ever had. And yet you look, and like you're saying, Troy, the results are not matching that statement. But again, part of it is because of how young they are. The other part of it is how inconsistent the lineups have been due to mostly injury. Um, some have been suspension, but mostly injury. Um, whether it's Pulisic playing half the games. Uh, I know the next game, our CDM is going to be out with an injury, um, and he's been very crucial uh, for the United States defense. He's been a very solid central defensive midfielder, and now he's going to be out. And so you never really – this team has never, not once, unless I've missed something, has not once actually put together – their best lineup and played a full game yet. They haven't done it because they haven't been able to do it. And it's not even been really that close 
to being able to do it. Like there's been multiple starters that they would have not able to play consistently, whether it's this guy and this guy, or you sprinkle in this guy with a new injury, whatever it is, this team is never even, I shouldn't say never close to fully healthy, but again, they're missing multiple starters every single game. So that's, that's part of it. And that's part of the continuity with it um, as well is that the lineups constantly have to be shuffled somewhat because of injuries. And again, these truly (laughs) not literal kids, um, but damn close to being kids and not full adults. Some of them being 18, like our best striker, I believe is 18 years old. He might be 19. Um, But that's, that's the way it is. Um, So I don't, crucify this team as much as you know maybe you do Troy um, but I, I do I, think I do they're... youngster because because here's where you're at and, and, and it, you and I we've been doing the show a long time so Brazil has 18 19 20 year old players too they have young guys well, yeah they're These way more advanced at, 18, than 19... at soccer that's, that's no my point that's my right. point and so I, I get from you and I know you're a soccer guy. I know you are. You follow it. It's, I'm very I young think and new is, to thing. But you, you, we did a, We might have to bring soccer savvy back to light. We might have to bring that show back and just talk soccer every week. When the when the little girl is a little older, so you don't have daddy responsibilities 24 hours a day. I know all that is. I'm a grandpa. I got grandpa responsibilities. I told you that last week my son and his girlfriend had COVID. I was a full-time grandpa 24 hours a day. My point is we're making excuses again for USA soccer. We've been making excuses for USA soccer for so many years. I'm sick of it. And maybe it's because I'm an old grumpy man that grew up playing, loving, coaching, basically bleeding soccer when soccer was nothing in America. And I did the same thing, youngster. Oh, yeah, this and this and this. And now I'm getting wiser in my old years. Like, why? What? We are the United States of America with billions of people, and we can't put together a team that at least gets to the knockout round every year in the World Cup? Why is that an unrealistic expectation for me, youngster? I don't want to hear that they're a young team. I don't want to hear this. I've coached. I've coached six-year-olds. I've coached 22-year-olds. It is all about development, and USA Soccer lets down fans like me because they don't get it right. They can't get it right. They haven't gotten it right for 30 years. And I told you this. The USA winning a World Cup is not going to happen in my lifetime. And if it does, I'll probably die no. that year. That, I, no, I, and I, I don't mean that. to be a Debbie Downer. I'm going to support USA soccer. But I hope what I even just Even in said, my lifetime, Troy, even in my lifetime, I'd be surprised if they won the whole thing. I, I think we've grown I said, a lot. Yeah, I, just, I want people to understand why I have this, I don't even want to call it resentment why I have this hesitation for USA yeah. soccer. Right. Because I played the game, I coached the game, I, I lived and died this game at the great University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. That is why I went there. I went there to play soccer. And it was the best four and a half years of my life. I am a soccer guy through and through. And the disappointment that I get from USA soccer, it, it, I, I'm just done with it. I'm tired yeah. of hope. I'm tired of right. hope. And I coached. I've coached at high levels. I've coached, and I understand where the disconnect is. Because I've coached really good players at six years old, at nine years old, at 12 years old, just like they do in Brazil and Argentina. Now, not My whole team is not that great. But why can't we bring those players to the forefront? That's all I'm saying. We're too big. Soccer is never going to matter in America. That's all I'm going to say. I'm done. we got to talk football, youngster. Fair enough. I do want to say this, that on Wednesday, February 2nd, we do host Honduras. Um, if we don't beat Honduras, that would be very sad. 
Um, also, there are only one, two, three, four games left um, after this game against Honduras on Wednesday, which, you know, as you're listening to the show, that game will have already happened. But there will be three games remaining. Uh, one will be at Mexico. That'll be a big one. March 24th. So the next three games, the last three games for the World Cup qualifiers are in March. March 24th at Mexico, March 27th in the United States against Panama. That's actually big due to the standings. Panama's in fourth. We're in second. The top three teams of our group automatically move into the World Cup and they qualify. Um, if you're in fourth at the end of all this, then you have to play a little tournament and qualify that way. Obviously, you would rather... Do you even want to do a show with me if the Americans are playing in that qualifying game? <laughs> Probably not. Um, but So that Panama game will be potentially huge as well, and then we travel and play Costa Rica March 30th for the final one. Um, so... We will see then how it all shakes out. But as of now, Canada is on top of the group. United States is in second, tied with Mexico. We own the tiebreaker. And Panama is in fourth. Uh, beyond that, it it basically doesn't matter from this point unless drastic things happen. Um, so, again, we want to be in the top three. Right now we're in second. That is that. Moving on to football, before we actually talk about the games, unless you want to talk about the games, before we talk about Nathaniel Hackett, Troy. No, I, I want to. I want to get it out because we already we already ranted and raved about soccer for what twenty 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 one minutes. We got to what six seventeen my time, I believe. So no, that's fine. Like I said, we should bring soccer savvy back. You know I get passionate about soccer and I get real worked up right now. I agree with you on that roster, and that's why I guess I'm so perturbed at the results. So anyway, we we have a hiring. Nathaniel Hackett is the new head coach of the Denver Broncos, and I kept hearing how how sexy this job was. The Denver job is so sexy with the – with the players and what they got going on, and that's one of the top jobs in the NFL. And the Denver Broncos went out and hired Nathaniel Hackett of the Green Bay Packers, the offensive coordinator who doesn't game plan the offense, nor does he call the plays. But he has Aaron Rodgers to make him look good. Before Aaron Rodgers before you Go keep ahead. going, I wanted to say this very quickly. Before his time at the Packers in 2019, up until now, um, before that, he was the offensive coordinator for the Jaguars for three years. They, they hadn't had a good offense. Um, the little two-year window they were good was all because of the defense. Before that, he was the quarterback's coach in Jacksonville. They never had great quarterback play outside of Bortles thrown for a bunch of yards because they were losing. Um and outside of that, before that, 2013-2014, he was the offensive coordinator for the Bills. I don't remember how good the Bills offense was in 2013-2014. My guess is it wasn't unbelievable. Um, that's why he downgraded and only lasted a year or two in Buffalo to a quarterback coach in Jacksonville the year after. So before that, then you start talking about, you know, being, you know, quarterback's coach and offensive quality coach and back to college and stuff like that. But so it... Before this Packers offensive coordinator job, it's not as though he was super successful anywhere in a place where he was really gaining steam to, you know, become a head coach, in my opinion, anyway. Well, and that's where I'm going with this. And I've been in a position, youngster, where I've been a coach, and I've had to hire assistant coaches. And depending on their level of expertise, it all depended on how much, how much responsibility I gave them, right? So I'd hire an assistant coach, and sometimes you had to fill a position. And there's some coaches you trust, and Matt LaFleur trusted Nathaniel Hackett. Aaron Rodgers liked Nathaniel Hackett. But what has Nathaniel Hackett done for the Green Bay offense? If we really want to get critical about it, he should have not gotten a job after that loss to the 49ers because the offense played like crap. I don't blame the special teams. We talked about it last week. I don't blame special teams. The defense played great. I blame the offense. I blame the offense. You're the offensive coordinator. And now you're going to Denver. I told you this. Usually I don't share my thoughts prior to the show, but I did in this one. You know right where I'm going with this. Denver hired Nathaniel Hackett 
to get Aaron Rodgers in Denver. And that's fine. Take him. But if I'm the Green Bay Packers, I want Jerry Judy, I want Cortland Sutton, and I want your draft picks. There you go. I'm going to deplete your roster for you to get Aaron Rodgers. Right. And then you can go to Aaron Rodgers and say, we tried to trade you. It didn't say we just got to give you away for nothing. This is what we want back for our young quarterback. We want two weapons, and we'll give you our four-time MVP. But give us your two best receivers. Right. Is there anything wrong with that offer, youngster? Yeah, they're not going to do that, right? No, But we attempted to trade you. Yeah, there, there is, to me, there honestly is nothing wrong with that offer um, because, again, we're seeing what happens when you do get an obvious top 10 quarterback like Matt Stafford to the Rams and you see him trailing by double digits in the fourth quarter of the NFC title game and he's able to come back and win. With Jared Goff, they're not able to come back and win. With Matt Stafford, if you're willing to give up multiple first-round picks, that's the dividend, that's what – that's what the payout is, is that you have a chance to come back down double digits in the fourth quarter in the NFC Championship game. You either have a quarterback like or you don't. I, I don't like that, but I, I just want to say this. Is Aaron Rodgers, you know my thought on this. So I thought the, Bronc- the Broncos hired Hackett to get Rodgers there. That's fine. And Rodgers may go and say, I want to be traded. I want to blah, blah, blah. Well, I, I – a lot of people are like, oh, Jordan Love. I actually tend to like Jordan Love, and I think he'll do okay with the way Matt LaFleur can call a game. No, he called a bad game in the playoffs. But we don't need a home run ball with A.J. Dillon, with Aaron Jones. Maybe I'll take Noah Fant. Right. I'll take Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton. There, I want those two players. Because I really believe the Packers should franchise Devonta Adams just to screw Aaron Rodgers over. Like guess what? You're going to go to Denver, but we're going to keep we're going to keep Devonte Adams this year. There you go. Have fun. Because he'll either sign the tender to play, or he'll sit out all year. And what happened to Le'Veon Bell after he did that in Pittsburgh? Didn't really do much after that. Now Adams is different, but I'm being one of these shisty little guys. Like it's time. You you want Aaron Rodgers to do all this stuff? Let's screw him over. We'll try to trade you, but I want a lot. I want a lot in return for you, not draft picks. I want players. If it's Denver, I like Sutton. I like Judy. I like Fant. But I want two of those guys. Plus, I want your draft picks. That's what I would do if I was the Packers. There is nothing in writing that said it had to be fair. We're going to give you up. We want stuff in return. I mean, that's still fair. <laughs> I don't so think that. Carry on. You know what, youngster? Carry on. I'm done talking about it. The hire in Denver was to get Aaron Rodgers there, and I hope the Packers put together this huge, huge return on investment. That's all I got. Carry yeah. on. I, I don't think you're swinging for the fences hopelessly um, with that offer, by the way. I, I don't think that's unfair to be honest with you, because that's how much a legitimate quarterback means. Um, so, anyway, moving on. I, I completely agree with you, by the way, that that's why they hired Nathaniel Hackett. Bengals-Chiefs, AFC Championship game. The Chiefs were up 21-3 to at one point, and then the Bengals came back somehow, um, and I guess Pat Holmes decided to not score another touchdown and they had a second or third and goal with five seconds left uh, before the first half ended. They went for it and he checked it down to Tyreek Hill, um, forcing him to either score or the half would run out and he didn't score. The half ran out. They didn't get any points. At the end of the day, again, it would have forced Cincinnati to have to play catch up even more if they were down 24-10 as opposed to 21-10 in the second half, uh, because, again, this game went to overtime. So, yes, every single point, every field goal mattered in this game. Um, so that was certainly a big mishap on Mahomes' part. From that point on came the second half where he was just straight-up bad. 
as opposed to the first half where he started out with a touchdown on his first drive, a touchdown on his second drive, and a touchdown on his third drive. So, I mean, it, it truly was a game of basically two halves plus, you know, two so minutes. You, you, I want to ask you something. The way, the way that they were dominating that half and yeah. the way they were playing, and I know teams will make halftime adjustments, and you know what? Kudos to the Bengals. I'm actually happy. I, I'm happy the Bengals are there and not the Chiefs. I really am. I, I love the underdog. You know that. But if you're a coach, and, and if that was your Titans in that situation, the way they were dominating, I don't think it was a bad idea to try and just kind of go for the juggernaut because you're thinking we're moving the ball. We, we've been so successful this half. But I keep hearing on the radio, like, oh, Andy Reid screwed that up. That, you know what? If that was the Green Bay Packers, my team, and they were dominating the Bengals the way they were, and Rodgers threw it to Adams like that, I'd be like, ah, crap. But coming out of the half, I'd be like, you know, we're in control of this game. This game should be over. I would have probably done the same thing. Now, if it was like a 10-7 to game and you did that, I would be like, right. what the heck are you doing? Right. But they were dominating that half. I have no problem with what they were trying to do there. And so, you know what? My problem yeah, with it, three- Troy, Troy, my problem with it was you could have easily just thrown a jump ball to Kelsey and it would have taken three, four seconds. Like you didn't yeah, have to. Yeah, should have went go- to the end zone. That's the difference. Right. I, and right. I agree with you. You should That's have thrown it before. You had no timeout. And they always keep saying you got the three points in your pocket. So, yeah, throw it to the end zone. If it's not right. good, kick the field goal at that point. Exactly. That's my only problem. But to go for a touchdown there, I don't have a problem with that. No. But, yeah, I mean, Mahomes made a bad decision. He should have went to the end zone. And then he kept but making again, a bad decision. Carry on. In, in the second half, I, I was going to get to the second half. Um the Bengals obviously made adjustments from the first half to the second half, and they basically just said, here you go. If you want to run the ball, you can. Um, we're tired of Pat Mahomes just murdering us. Uh, so, you know, even at the end of the first half, it could have very easily been four drives, four touchdowns had Tyreek Hill gone in or a different outcome happened there. Um, so, it, I mean, the Chiefs, again, they were dominating the first half of that game, and then the Bengals – I think there was a stat I saw where they dropped eight in coverage 45% of the time um, in the second half. Like, they were just, if you want to run the ball, go ahead. If you want to take, you know, four-yard gains through the air, go ahead. We're just not going to give you easy touchdowns, 30-yard, you know, darts. And it, They said no. And in the first half of this season, Pat Mahomes had problems adjusting to that. In the second half of the season, he adjusted to it perfectly, and they went on whatever it was, a 7-8 game winning streak. Then they lost to Cincinnati. Um, but they were firing on all cylinders again. The defense was playing good, and the offense was back to being the Chiefs offense that we know the Chiefs offense realistically is, which is, at the end of the day, it's the best offense in the league. However, teams have figured out that the best way to try and slow them down and have a chance is to not give up 30-yard, 70-yard plays fairly consistently. And so you have to overdo it. You have to drop eight sometimes, a lot more than you would ever think of dropping eight defenders and just rushing three. Like, you, you have to be that drastic against the Chiefs passing offense because it's that dynamic and it's that good. It's what you have to do. The problem is whether it's Andy Reid, whether it's Patrick Mahomes, they don't audible, they don't assume for, uh, you know, assume that adjustments are going to be made, and they never react to it. You don't adjust to the adjustment, and that's a huge thing in sports is that obviously if you're a halfway decent head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, whatever you are, and things aren't going well in the first half, you make adjustments for the second half. Then it's on that team if those adjustments work, to react and change the way you're going about things because <laughs> adjustments have been made. So now you have to make an adjustment. That's the problem with Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid this entire year. I don't know exactly who. 
I put more of the blame on Mahomes because he has the ball in his hand, and you can just see that he tries sometimes to go for the 35-yard bomb down the field despite it being double-covered, and it ended up being picked off in well, overtime. Well, we talked about this, this youngster. We talked about it in, what, eight weeks ago. That's the problem. Mahomes wants the splash play. That's the Chiefs. They want the big play. They don't want to check it down. They don't. My problem, my problem is even greater that why, why were you not running the ball? If they were consistently just being like, hey, here you go. You know what, youngster? You foul football. Guess who I played in the DraftKings on Sunday? I played McKinnon. I put him in there at like 3800 bucks. That yeah. guy was tearing. He could have tore the Bengals up. He was averaging five just... yards a carry. Troy, he averaged five yards a carry. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who has had a bad year this year, averaged six yards a carry. To me, in my opinion, McKinnon's he's straight up better than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, and I'm not going to get into our little history with Mr. CEH, but I, McKinnon's a lot more dynamic and a better pass catcher, and he, he's just better than Clyde Yeah, I never got my inner peak coffee from that uh, <laughs> that we made there either. I, I do need to get that sent out. Um <laughs> Pat That's Mahomes, a good time to just Mahomes. talk about our sponsor, though. We want to thank Interpeak yeah. Coffee for sponsoring our show. Thank you, Interpeak Coffee. We appreciate it. I had, I had to throw it out, youngster. I had to. But now you got a little girl. Every dollar matters. I'm not going to hold you to that bet. It's more I, the I fact that I want. Your coffee. Um, Pat Mahomes, even when he ran it, ran at six yards a carry. McCole Hardman, even when he ran it, nine yards a carry. The point is that they were – their top four rushers in their game averaged at least 5.4 yards per carry in this game. And again, it's like, why in the world are you not running the ball more? Why in the world are you not checking it down and taking the four, six, seven-yard gains when they're clearly right there? That's how you have to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. This is clearly the model. What I saw in this game from Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes was the arrogance of four straight AFC Championship games. We're going to go to our third straight Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. We're that great. Right. Like, it's they even more of an good. arrogance than a Belichick arrogance. That's what I, I saw during this game. I agree. That's I, why to me, I took, Troy, honestly. Hey, go ahead. I'll let you go. Well, I was going to say, that's why I took the Bengals in the points, and I took the under in the game, and I bet a lot. And if the darn 49ers would have just done their part, I would have been fine. But I really believe that the Bengals were going to keep it close when everybody thought that this was going to be an extreme blowout. And I just want to throw this out there because you know I bet. So after that first touchdown, I was at the casino. And after that touchdown got was scored by Kansas City, that line, and I took this line. After touchdown number one, it was 7 nothing. The line went to 14 and a half. Who in their right <laughs> mind is not taking the Bengals in 14 and a half points? Yeah. Un- unfortunately, I parlayed it up with the 49ers. I got screwed. But, right. my point is, there's even an arrogance with the Vegas line on that. Like, because really? everyone knows they, everyone knows they that scored Kansas one City touchdown. Can... I know. But everyone knows, Troy, that Kansas City, I think more than any team, can beat anyone else by 30 points. Much easier than, and I know like teams like the Packers can beat a team like the Rams by 30 points. They can. Um, it's just easier for the Chiefs to do it. And that, that's not a knock on any other team in the league. It's just the Chiefs are that explosive that they're able to rack up 40 against literally anybody. Um, that's that's the thing, and that's to me. It's going to be interesting from a uh, societal thing, from an NFL fan base thing. Is that when is this Chiefs team going to be become hated? Because to me, like you said, it's it's an arrogance thing at this point. Like Patrick Mahomes doesn't check it down as much as he wants to because he doesn't want to check it down. He doesn't want to methodically score 31 points. He wants to crush you and score 41 while creating five highlights in the process. That's the problem with the Chiefs. 
to me, it's an arrogance thing, and to me, it's actually pretty easy to hate this team, <laughs> even more than the Patriots. The Patriots just straight up won, and they did things differently. If they had to run it 50 times, they would. If they had to throw it 50 times, they would. If they had to throw it to a running back out of the backfield 15 times in a Super Bowl, they would do that too. Like, it doesn't matter. Bill Belichick just tried to win any given way. I respect that a lot more than the Chiefs just having more talent than you. And so they just tried to, for home run after home run after home run, and basically against most teams they hit. They score 30-plus points. Their defense is good enough to hold you under 30, and they win. To me, that's an arrogance thing. And after their first Super Bowl, they had guys you know, quoted as saying, yeah, this is going to be a dynasty. We're going to win four rings. I think it was Tyree Kill who said, yeah, we're gunning for like seven rings. Like it, This team knows how good they are. They know how good they can be. They know how they can crush anybody on any given Sunday. It doesn't mean they're going to because, again, there's a way to counter this offense, clearly, and it's more of a mental thing. You know, this is not some scheme that is unbeatable of dropping a bunch of defenders and not getting killed over the top. It's not complicated. It's just an arrogance thing, <laughs> like you were saying. So, to me, I'm, I'm starting to dislike this Chiefs team I, certainly more than ever before. Because, again, to say it for probably the 10th time on the show already, it, it's an arrogance thing with Patrick Mahomes. I respect how good he is. It's fun to watch this offense <laughs> when it's clicking. It's entertaining. But it is, it's got an arrogance to it, and it gets them beat. So I thought it was, well, and then it you, was fun. So here's the thing, though, youngster. That he, Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things against the Bills. 13 seconds, drove the team down, took the team in overtime, you know, that's great. That That is like, okay, that that is what Hall of Famers are made of, right? Oh, but again, you, you look at it and say, man, 13 seconds away if the Bills would have done anything to stop that guy. But when they're that good, they're that good. And, and that's why I'm just, I, I don't know. I just looked at it, I mean... Like I said, I was at the casino. As soon as that touchdown got scored, the line, I I got the original line. I took the Bengals at six and a half. I took the points, plus six and a half. Once that got scored, I walked in the door. It went like I told you. Fourteen and a half I got the Bengals at. Yeah, Why crazy. wouldn't I take that? No respect for the Bengals? I'm like, they just. Beat them during the regular season. And, I mean, it didn't look good. It didn't look good at halftime, though, did it, youngster? I mean, I was no. like, whoa! Maybe they know what they're talking about. But my whole point to that is one touchdown gets scored and the line goes up eight points. All right. So, all right. Yeah. NFC. NFC. Let's go to the NFC. Rams, 49ers. Uh, Cam Akers is somehow, again, playing five months after rupturing his Achilles. Um, 13 carries, 48 yards, that, that's fine. Um, it'll be, you know, I, I'll be, it'll be entertaining to see what Cam Akers can do next year. Um, it, this offense could be even more ridiculous than it currently is. Uh, the highlight was, to me, Matt Stafford in the fourth quarter. Um, and OBJ having nine catches for 113 yards, I mean, that, that's the best OBJ I've seen in five years. And Cooper Cup just <laughs> – I, I love that I have Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford on my dynasty team that I just, you know, can keep rolling out year after year um, because it looks like this combination has worked so far this year, to say the least, obviously. Um, but, again, this 49ers team is just so tough-nosed and wants to kill you on the ground and beat you that way, uh, which – I, you have to respect it, and the roster is really good around Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo is not a top-10 quarterback who makes others around him better. I do think it's possible to win with Jimmy G. No, he should, he should be in his second Super Bowl, though, youngster. He really I should. Agree. I agree. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. So that's the thing. Would I want Jimmy G to be the quarterback of the Packers when Rodgers leaves? No, I wouldn't. 
I, no. I won it. And I thought... No, because you're forcing I thought, yourself... You're forcing yourself to have ahead. to hit on a number of draft picks and bring in one or two free agents that really bring you over the top so that your roster has to be loaded around Jimmy G. It's the same thing in Tennessee with Tannehill. I like Tannehill more than Garoppolo, but your roster needs to be really good if Ryan Tannehill is going to be the starting quarterback for your team winning a Super Bowl. That's just a fact. That What annoys me as a Titans fan is that the roster was really good and they didn't get past one game. That That's what was annoying. But so this 49ers team, it's like, They've got really good running backs. They've got Debo Samuel utilizing as being a running back nowadays. Um, he's, you know, a top five playmaker in the game, uh, regardless of position offensively. And then you have Ayuk. You still have George Kittle, who's a top, you know, five tight end easily. Can uh, I stop the you there, youngster? Everywhere. I want a quick question, quick question, youngster. Yeah. What we're seeing with with uh, Debo right now? Do you think that that is the prototypical? slash draft pick that teams are going to look for in the top ten. A guy that can be out there, be a dominant receiver, but you can slide him into the backfield. Do you think this is a, a gimmicky thing, or is this something that now college coaches are going to try to help their big-time stars go to the NFL? Like, I can play receiver and running back. And if you go back, there was a guy in Green Bay called Ty Montgomery that tried this role when they right. were depleted at running back. Right. That wasn't a big thing. It was like, oh, what a necessity. This is blah, blah, but now you're looking at it. So I want no, your yeah. thoughts. Do you, think, do you think moving forward, because the running quarterback, the mobile quarterback, that to me, I, I still, and you know my thoughts on this, I, I still believe – in the pure passer. I, I believe in that. But a guy like Debo, I'd look at that and go, you know what? That is the ultimate weapon. That that guy can play receiver and that guy can knock down linebackers at a running back position. What do you think, yeah. youngster? Are we going to see more Debos coming out in the next couple of years, next five, ten years, as guys that can change the game? I think colleges already do this, Troy. I think the difference is that the NFL is always 10, 15 years behind college in terms of, hey, this can actually work. And part of it is rules-based, um, like running quarterbacks. <laughs> if, you were, if you had to be a running quarterback back in the day, if your name's not Michael Vick, you were going to get annihilated because of what players could do to opposing quarterbacks. Um, nowadays, you can get away with running the ball 10 times a game as a quarterback, and you, you can be okay. Um, you don't want to run it 15, 20 times like Lamar Jackson does. That's you know probably not going to bode well long-term. But to be Josh Allen and run it eight times a game, to be Pat Mahomes and run it five times a game, to be Aaron Rodgers and run it three, four times a game, that's okay. Russell Wilson does it. Tannehill does it three, four times a game. That, that's fine. Um, that, that's, it's very hard to stop because you are considered – a pass-first guy if you're Mahomes, if you're even Ryan Tannehill, if you're Aaron Rodgers, if you're these guys who are obviously better with their arms, but if they have a chance to scamper away for 8, 12 yards if it's wide open, that makes them all the more difficult to defend. But So going back to your question, I, I just think that colleges do this already. Like they, It's what they've done. Like Kenneth Gainwell out of Memphis, he was a guy who – was known to be a ridiculous pass catcher out of the backfield, that, that was his number one thing. He's titled as a running back, but he was utilized in college more as a receiver out of the backfield. <laughs> he wasn't technically a wide receiver, but he caught more passes than he attempted running. And so that you're getting these guys in the NFL. It's just a matter of offensive coordinators, NFL head coaches, whatever it is, calling the offensive plays, utilizing them that way. To me, Debo Samuel is the same exact thing as Christian McCaffrey is. The difference is Christian McCaffrey, he spends his 40-hour work weeks, let's just say, perfecting his craft as a running back, whereas Debo Samuel perfects his craft as a wide receiver. And so it's you get the extra oomph from Debo Samuel as a runner out of the backfield, and Christian McCaffrey is different because, again, he's a running back first, but he still can catch 10 passes in a game and kill you that way. 
So those kind of guys, Dalvin Cook's the same way. Aaron Jones is the same way. Um, Chris Johnson, when he was a running back of the Titans, he was the same way. Derrick Henry's not as much, but they're utilizing him more as a pass catcher because, again, if you get him the ball anywhere, it's a good thing. But so that's, I mean, you're seeing a lot more of that. I think pass catchers out of the backfield, it's, it's becoming commonplace. If you're an elite running back, you have to catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, again, unless your name is Derrick Henry, which there's just none of those guys in the league. But so more wide receivers turning into running backs. I think it was Justin Jefferson, I believe, was the guy that was talked about with this, was the LSU head coach at the time, whether it was Ed Orgeron or not, I don't remember, um, or if it was the guy before Orgeron. They said that Justin Jefferson was so good that he could have been a starting running back at LSU if we wanted him to be. And he would have been fantastic. But he's just better as a wide receiver. So that's where we used him the most. But so these teams, these guys can get away with it. As long as you're not a, you know, five, as long as you're not Darren Sproles type, I mean, where Darren Sproles obviously isn't going to carry the ball 20 times a game based on his build. And the same thing with Kenneth Gainwell is he's tiny. So he's not going to carry the ball 20 times a game ever in his NFL career, despite him being labeled as a running back. So it's, these guys are in the league already. To me, Troy, long answer, but I'll finish it now. It, it's just a matter of offensive coordinators, play callers, utilizing these guys more as running backs, even if they are wide receivers. And I know I think... Matt so I'm going to interrupt you, youngster. So this is a copycat league. Are we going to see more of what the 49ers are doing next year? Yeah, I think so. To keep it short, yes. And I was going to say, to finish my point, the Panthers head coach said he's looking to get Christian McCaffrey out of the slot, like a lot more next year, um, and utilize him as a wide receiver. I, I think it's, it's the same type of player that can do both. Yeah, I agree. So let's look at this game, though. And I just looked at the 49ers. They had that, what, 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter. So the, so the Rams set a record for biggest comeback. And then do you think the mentality of the 49ers run first? And then how much of this is on Garoppolo? I'm not putting it on him. I'm really not. I just look at it from the standpoint that the Rams were set. They knew what the 49ers were. You have a lead. I'm thinking to myself, Okay, you want to run the ball, you want to run the ball, you want to run it. Why don't you start throwing little short passes? You have a guy named Kittle that can get open in the middle of the field. What is wrong with a seven-yard pass instead of a minus-two-yard rush? I mean, I was watching this game, and as soon as I watched this, I'm like, you know what, they're going to lose this game. Because all they want to do is just try to pound the ball. They want to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Garoppolo is by no means a guy that's going to take you back, and we saw what happened. He tossed it up, and they intercepted it, and that was the game. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about prior in the fourth quarter. I would have just started passing the football, like safe passes, not chucking it down the field for 40 yards. But you have to you have to think, what are the Rams going to do? They're going to stack the box. They're going to shut down the run. They're going to shut down Samuel. So and why don't did. you use the play the action they did. and throw it to Kittle? Yeah, they did. That's exactly what the Rams did. Like Debo had seven carries, 26 yards. Elijah Mitchell, 11 carries, 20 yards. As a team, San Francisco only ran it 20 times. But the reason was because they got 50 yards out of it. They, they weren't effective doing that. Jimmy G actually threw it 30 times by the end of the game, um, and that was his lone interception was basically the last play they had. Well, that was, um, that, that was a crazy play. No, I mean, no, at I, that point, they're pinning their ears back. And I, even if it's Aaron Rodgers back there in, in that situation, the Rams are right. doing the same thing. That defensive line is actually really good. My yeah. point is, youngster, early in the fourth quarter, why are not you not using play action? Yeah, they were shutting the run down, but you're up by 10. The Rams know you're going to run the football, 
And they kept doing it, though. They kept giving it to Mitchell, and I felt bad for the guy. Like, he got the ball in his gut, and he was getting hit. I mean, it was crazy. Like, I'm not a football coach, but I've been around the game for a long time. Element of surprise. They expect you to run the ball. That's all you do. Why not just do the short, do bubble screens to your receivers, loosen up the eight in the box? Nope. Right. We're just going to run it. We'll punt it back to you. Our, de- our defense is that good. Well, right. I blame the 49ers. The 49ers lost this game. The Rams didn't win it. They had it in their sight. They yeah. played not to lose, and you know what happens when you play not to lose. To lose. You know what's funny, Troy, is that Kyle Shanahan, who was, you know, essentially calls the plays for this offense, like in the Super Bowl, was up 28-3 to on Tom Brady, and they threw it too much. And he lost because of it. And in this game, <laughs> sees eight in the box, team is averaging two and a half yards per carry, and they, they were they weren't able to be creative enough to, like you were saying, loosen up the eight in the box and take your five-yard gains that are sitting right there. Like, at the end of the day, Shanahan, again, kind of screwed this up <laughs> for his team. He had the game won. They were going to the Super Bowl. All you had to do was put together any sort of offense. Should and I tell they, you how much money he screwed up for me? <laughs> I do not know. Like, like the little $800 he screwed up for me means nothing to a lot of people, but an extra $800 in my wallet would mean a lot to me. Like, it would have been a happy Monday today had I had another $800 in my pocket. That would agree. I would agree with that. Um, so I, I, I am, to me personally, and maybe you are too, Troy, but for me, for sure, I, uh, I, I love that Stafford in the Super Bowl. Um, and we'll talk about the Super Bowl next week. We only have a couple minutes left on the show, obviously. But it, Stafford finally has a really good defense. Stafford finally has a running game that's somewhat capable. Even Cam Akers, five months after his torn Achilles, he, he's, he's still capable. Um, Sony Michelle is capable. Like this team, he has a real team around him that he can score seven points in the first three quarters, and he actually has a chance to come back and win. Like, if that's Detroit, you're down by 20, 30 points. The game's over. He has a chance with this team to make a mistake, one mistake, one interception, and he can come back and and win the game because his defense keeps it in, keeps him in it. I'm just happy for Stafford. And it's hilarious that people want to bang on Stafford because of his Detroit days, but at the end of the day, like if you give Stafford this kind of situation coming out of college. Hey, Matt Stafford, if you're listening to our lowly, lowly radio show, we've been on your bandwagon for years. We like you, Matt Stafford. It's a Packers fan. When have, we, when have we ever ripped Matt Stafford, youngster? We've Never always talked about life, the guy. Matt Stafford. <laughs> He's a pretty good quarterback. He, he reminds me, cannon. I said this, He's, he is the last Brett Favre around the NFL. He is the last yeah. gunslinger. I was happy Maybe he had a chance. Mahomes, Mahomes is too, but <laughs> in a way. No. Um, well, we just talked about the Mahomes thing a little bit ago. Yeah. We just talked about it. Matt Stafford is likable. Matt Stafford is <laughs> very, very likable. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, I, I'm happy for him. Uh, this team is just so ridiculously good everywhere. It's this team. I would be. I, I'm very surprised Cincinnati beat Kansas City, but to me, this Rams team and the way they're built on the D line. We got to wrap her up, youngster. Got to wrap her up. Make it against quick. That Bengals offensive line. It's just. I would be shocked if Burrow can pull off another upset, just based on the D line well, against his own line. We'll see what happens. We'll get back at you next week, everybody, for the youngster and the old man. Hope you enjoyed the show today. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening to Talking Sports with the Youngster and the Old Man. Please come back again next time as Troy and Kevin share the latest news in the world of sports. Streaming live on your computer and on your smartphhone. Check out Elevation5280sports.com for all the information you need. Download the apps, put in the link, and you're good to go on the go. Elevation5280sports.com. Careful. It's tough to breathe up here.